0: TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T.L. Dawnstar Written and Read by T.L. Dawnstar Book 1.0 The Universe Cone Phase three, prelude to section four. Chapter 11, the library at Galaxy's Edge. The dense, hard rubber of the raised platform heel of Carl's height-boosting combat boot pressed gently into the spongy surface of the planet Juku Ortel, Feeling a pleasant degree of sink and bounce, he pressed onwards towards the crumbling stone edifice of the local library. A man like him was never much for book learning, preferring to gain what knowledge he had of the universe from a mixture of homespun spacer wisdom and classically manly gut feeling. But if the information he'd obtained from the months of haphazard salvage operations of ancient alien shipwrecks archives was correct, this was the place that was finally going to help him nail down the location of Deborah Dwarfstar. Traipsing through the low mist, with more than a little spring in his step, thanks to the planet's low gravity and bouncy surface, the space pirate took his rough hand from deep inside the pocket of his long duster coat and gently stroked the impressive length of his thick, full and glossy beard. Judging by the density of the handsomely grey-flecked wire-like mesh, he quickly determined that it had been nearly four and a half standard solar months since his escape from the Calaxian ship and equally, nearly four and a half standard solar months since the killing and eating of Felicity Phobos. There was of course no way to be sure. This deep into the vellum cluster, swirling riptides of electromagnetic radiation and oozing pockets of temporal instability played holy hells with any computer's internal chrono-indication circuits. As soon as Carl had entered the notoriously wobbly region of space... He knew the only way to accurately keep track of time was to introduce a system of near-constant face fondling and diligent measurement of the steady progression from heavily stubbled to fully beardy. He approached the ivy-covered and structurally unsound entrance, gazing up past the cracked columns which alternated in style between the four traditional forms, Doric, Ionic, Corinthian, and Invisible. Ascending the large stone steps, he noticed a distinct flicker of a chromatic abnormality indicating that the austere stone facade may not be entirely what it seemed. Having reached the top of the steps, which took ages to climb, he placed both hands on both of the heavy wooden double doors leading into the main hall and pushed with all his might, imagining in his mind the swinging motion displacing the low clinging mist to reveal a single figure standing alone amidst the cavernous interior of the dusty library, with the deep forest green of his velvet Panama hat and the waxed shiny brown of his near-floor-length duster coat dramatically silhouetted against the sickly soft pale light of the planet's dying sun. At this point he realized that the doors were in fact automatic, and they slid apart with a breathless efficiency that resulted in a slapstick-forward stumble that left Carl flat on his face against the hard stone floor. A hearty and full-throated use of a top-grade Zarkian swear word echoed erroneously deep into the silent hall. Footnote Carl used the Zarkian word Zakel, which roughly translates to mother or mother f***ing piece of shit, depending on intonation. A deep rumble sounded from far within the long shelf-lined space, and streams of phosphorescent liquid began to run along shallow grooves cut into the time-battered floor. Dark Cruiser picked himself up, dusted off his duster, and strode forward, determined to overcome the embarrassment of his extremely recent fall. The glowing blue liquid seemed to be moving along with his steps, or was he moving in time with it? Either way, he felt a sense of being guided to exactly where he needed to be. High above him, the Juku-Ortelian hypercrows that called this abandoned library home looked down on the first living thing besides themselves that they had seen for centuries, and in a series of unintelligible craws expressed their deep dissatisfaction with this turn of events. The deeper Carl walked into the murky depths of the immense repository, the more he began to see that same flickering he had noticed on the building's exterior. Whole chunks of wall now appeared to glitch in and out of existence. Four bays down from the erotic cookery section, he witnessed an entire wall's worth of malish aroma poetry shudder and vibrate into nothingness, only to be replaced with a large spinning rack filled with extremely weighty tones of Televian folk album reviews by the renowned time-travelling journalist Jasper Passage. This piqued Carl's interest, but before he could leaf through the dusty leather-bound volumes to find out what Passage thought of the frankly overrated debut offering from neo-agricultural funk fusion trio Hockney's Cardigan, the floor around him began to shake as a massive circular opening began to open in the shaking floor. With a burst of hot steam jetting up through the newly formed floor hole, a large metallic cylinder the size and shape of a ceremonial Falerkean birthing tube rose smoothly into the musty air. A bright blue light shone out of the central aperture of the cylinder, piercing the darkness of the gloomy library and slightly blinding one of Carl's steely blue eyes. With a massively loud honk, wheeze and groan, the large shiny thing clattered into life and a deep, bowel-shivering note emitted from far within the machine's rusty entrails, scattering the manslaughter of biomechanical hypercrows roosting in the building's rafters. Have you what I seek, shiny one. At the sound of his voice, a geyser of electric blue glowing liquid burst forth from a slit near the top of the big shiny object, and splattered the almost inconceivably high ceiling with a deluge of gloopy viscosity that rivaled Mama Silk's infamous mystery stew. The goo began to seep, ooze and drip down the walls, and everything it touched flickered and sparked into a bright white nothingness of pure light. When the process was complete, he was left standing in a pure white space with little conception of in which direction he was facing in. Ahead of him in the middle distance, he saw the shape of a small human figure, sitting on an inflatable chair that appeared to contain within it an array of dazzling streaks of light and bolts of bright blue energy bouncing about all over the place like mad. He walked slowly towards the child and reached his hand down to his holster.
1: There will be no need for your weapons here, Carver for Stark Cruiser,
0: cooed the child of indeterminate gender softly.
1: This is a realm of learning, Not of violence.
0: Who are you? uttered Carl like an idiot.
1: They call me the librarian.
0: Where am I?
1: Exactly where you need to be. I can tell you where she is and where she is going. But there must be an exchange.
0: He edged closer to the child, who had their back to him. He noticed a silvery glint bouncing off their tiny head. Figures, grumbled Carl. But how do I know you're not trying to pull a fast one on old KD? Nobody calls you that. Stop trying to make it happen. Carl felt his heart sink as the child's pointy words poked directly through the inflated balloon of hope that he always felt when attempting a new nickname launch.
1: When my creators designed me, their goal was to collect all information in the known universe and store it here in this library. In me, the creators named me Librarian laser-initiated, binary-repository-array-robotic-informational-analysis-node. But as the centuries wore on, they became old and frail, and eventually dead. But I endured, and for over 30 million years, my scanners have been reaching out to the far-flung corners of the universe. I have amassed a wealth of knowledge, the likes of which creation has never known. Every nanosecond, millions of digital tons of data from trillions of networks across the galaxies, surge into my memory banks."
0: The space pirate was even closer now, and he began to see the child's true nature. Quite uncharacteristically for him, he thought he'd figured out where this was going, and it was fair to say he was not a fan. So you
1: see, I know the location of nearly all things, and can predict their exact movements based on loads of numbers and computer stuff.
0: Then tell me, where is the universe going?
1: There are mysteries in this universe older even than me, and I fear that that is one I will never solve. But the location of Deborah Dwarfstar is a simple matter. Yes, but it requires an exchange.
0: What is it you want from me, kid? The inflatable chair began to rotate, and the library's face came into full view of Carl's own face. It was small and composed of a highly polished, slightly shimmering metal. Over the metal lay swathes of flesh culled from several different alien species connected by pulsing fiber-optic wires. Karl saw a mouth that was attached roughly where a human mouth should be, but it was simply there, stretched and gaunt across the smooth metal visage, and it made no move when the child spoke. He moved his eyes up the bizarre biomechanical patchwork frontage, and he found he could not identify the origin species of the large snout-like protuberance that served nominally as a nose. Across the back and up the sides of the head, a network of plastic tubes fed what looked like blood into the grotesque amalgamation of bits of face. He stared in horror at the full face of the library, and the library stared back at him through a single emerald green eye. Carl felt like throwing up and did throw up.
1: I wish to be complete. I wish to be like you. Like my creators.
0: But why? With what you know, you're basically a god. And yet,
1: I know nothing of the feeling of the touch of a hand, or the sensation of wind on my face. I wish to see the wonders of the universe, to witness the cosmic miracle of a star being born, or the incredible majesty of one's death, with real, living, organic eyes. Not these cold, as a senses.
0: Okay, kid, can the poetry, I get it. Do what you gotta do. Then there shall be an exchange. Less than a nanosecond later, a lightning-fast liquid metal arm extended forth from between the shoulder blades of the child cyborg. A razor-sharp claw exploded from the tentacle, and in turn, long spindly fingers exploded from the end of each talon of the claw. Working with incredible speed, the myriad metal feelers plunged deep into Carl's right eye socket and closed tight, gripping the soft wet surface of his dreamy blue peeper and squeezing it like an over-enthusiastic catering student on the first day of training in the Vernon Hertzwig System of Fruit Classification Academy. Dark Cruiser screamed with a blood-curdling intensity that was, to be fair, completely justified. Seeing only a dull grey fuzziness turn bright hot red, he felt the optic nerves sever with a sickeningly quiet pop. As quickly as it had entered, the arm retracted, trailing a high-pressure stream of hot blood which splattered in arcing ropes of scarlet violence across the pristine whiteness of wherever the hells he was. He fell to his knees in pure shock and a total all-encompassing horror that left him shaking like a baby. With his one remaining eye, he could just make out the machine child rising from their inflatable chair, lifting a hand and carving a new socket into the mismatched tapestry that was its face.
1: It is time to complete the exchange.
0: The thing said with that creepy, unmoving mouth. The liquid metal arm spun around and positioned itself in front of Carl's gaping eye socket, and another arm burst forth from the chest of the being and shot towards him.
1: Gods, please! Not again!
0: He was so deeply traumatized by the ad hoc optic surgery that not even the near-exhaustive range of eye-based quips could keep his mind off the searing, burning pain in his skull. The two tentacles moved completely in unison. One gently placed the human's eye into the now complete organic mess that the library called a face. The second one once again delved deep inside Dark Cruise's head, reaching past the empty optical cavity and through into his brain. With a tsunami of phosphorescent blue liquid, Carl, the library, and the entire space around them was washed away. And as the roaring tide, which was a bit like that bit in The Shining, engulfed all in its path, Carl could have sworn he heard her whispered, Thank you. What felt like hours later, Karl awoke wet and cold on the steps of the library. He instinctively raised his hand to where his eye used to be, expecting a disgusting mess of matted blood and eye goo. But instead he found a neatly cauterized wound that any field medic would be proud of. He stood up, shaking in the cold Juku-Ortelian air. Whatever that thing had done to him had left him with a name ringing in his head. Elfinica. Turning his back on the library, he began to march towards his waiting ship, before suddenly spinning around on his platform heel and declaring, I've got my eye on you, kid. He was back. The chill of the misty air had been seared off by the incandescent heat of his outstanding wordplay, and he felt no pain from his missing eye. The only thing he felt was a burning desire to leap face first into the explosively dramatic final stages of his arguably overlong quest. The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles is a production of Dawnstar Audio, written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. Carl Cruiser was played by T.L. Dawnstar, and The Librarian was also played by T.L. Dawnstar. Get in touch via electronic mail using the address tldawnstar at gmail.com or via Twitter at tl underscore dawnstar. Next chapter, The Great Western Desert.